When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, the Hey, Mary Kay edition of the podcast. We are back from the bye week, and we've got questions from our Football Insider subscribers to get to. Mary Kay, let's just start here. Vince from Aurora, a very open-ended question that I think carries a lot of weight coming out of the bye week. Hey, Mary Kay, what is considered a failure for this team this season? A very interesting question because... As we were hitting record on this podcast, we see that Josh Allen, who the Browns face in a couple weeks in a very important game, a game that I think most of us have chalked up as as one this team would likely lose, is undergoing evaluation for an elbow injury. Very suspicious. These things, we know how they go. They can be very, very suspicious. So to Vince's point, what is considered a failure? And on top of that, what does this Josh Allen potential injury mean? Wow, that is huge news about Josh Allen. Uh, And we saw that Chris Mortensen, who is as plugged into the Josh Allen camp as anybody in the NFL, uh, reported that he's uh, having his ulnar nerve in the elbow evaluated. More will be known on Tuesday. And, uh, you know, it's not known yet if he will be able to play this Sunday uh, or if he will be able to play against the Browns the following week on November 20th. So, Definitely something to keep an eye on. If the Browns don't have to face Josh Allen, it would be an enormous, I mean enormous break. He's second in the NFL right now with 19 touchdown passes. He's fifth, I think it is, no, seventh uh, with a 99.2 rating. He has the Bills right now at 6-2. and two. He's been on fire this season. Uh, he has been absolutely amazing. They did lose to, to the Jets, but... Uh, did this possibly have something to do with his elbow injury? So this is enormous, not just for the Cleveland Browns right now, but for uh, for the landscape, for the playoff picture in the AFC and everything going forward. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on here. And again, we should know more about this on Tuesday and what is going on with the great Josh Allen. Um, in terms of the rest of this season, um, to me, a failure uh, before the season, middle of the season, and at any point in the season would be the Browns not making the playoffs because, you know, they knew going into the season that Deshaun Watson was going to be suspended and they had to plan accordingly. They had to figure out how to make the playoffs without him for the first how many ever games. And they didn't know if it was, they probably thought it was probably only going to be about six games, maybe even less than six games. But still, I think that they needed to have, um, you know, they needed to have a plan on how to get to the playoffs without Deshaun Watson. Why? Because the rest of the team, as we had been talking about for so long, was poised to go to the Super Bowl. Now, it didn't really work out like that because the defense has underachieved. 
but I, I still say that missing out on the playoffs this year, they don't get a pass. You don't get a pass for Deshaun Watson being suspended would be a failure to me this season. I agree with you. And, and I think this Deshaun, or not Deshaun, I think this Josh Allen injury should serve as a reminder. To, and it, I shouldn't, we don't know what it is yet, obviously, as we're recording mm-hmm. this on, on Monday at right. five o'clock, but it's just suspicious though, the way it's being talked about. And now this, this report that comes out from Chris Mortensen, it's, you know, the red flags are up. We'll see what happens. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe he plays Sunday. Maybe he's out for a month, but the point is that I think this injury just serves as a reminder. And I don't know if you remember this, but after the Browns went to Kansas city in that playoff game and lost and Patrick Mahomes didn't play the last, what was it? 25 minutes of that game, something like that. Yeah. And we kind of had a debate after the game. Like did the Browns just miss this golden opportunity? And it really feels like they did because now we know where they're at now and they end up Baker Mayfield's gone and they trade a bunch of first round picks and give Deshaun Watson $230 million you waste these seasons or you miss opportunities and you just never know. Like what if Josh Allen is out for the season Mm -hmm. in in a doomsday scenario and the bills were 13 seconds from the AFC championship game last year and they missed that opportunity. And these years turn into lost seasons really quickly. If the wrong guy gets hurt or I just, with the way this league is set up right now and as wide open as things are and with the talent they have. And like you said, they knew Deshaun Watson was going to be suspended I don't, I don't think you can afford lost years. And so, yeah, I'm with you. It would be a big-time disappointment if this team missed the playoffs. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, you are looking at so many guys in their prime. You're looking at an offensive line that is world-class. You're looking at a defensive line that is world-class. You're looking at the two best running backs in the league, two of the best guards in the NFL. I mean, this is a loaded team, talent-wise, a secondary that is uh, you know, poised to be amazing. So I just don't think there is any excuse for not making the playoffs. Uh, but as you mentioned, man, I mean, you really – uh, you just never know what's coming. We talk about, oh, well, here's what might happen the rest of the season. And here's what, you know, some people have completely written off the Browns. And, you know, they're in dire straits. It's a long shot for them to make the playoffs. But somebody was saying today in the press room, we were talking about, which I'm still here, by the way. Um, <laughs> somebody was talking about, um, oh, well, you know, the Ravens have the easiest schedule uh, the rest of the way and, you know, they can do this and they can do that. And I just, I happen to say, well, yeah, unless Lamar Jackson gets hurt. Right. Did you hear me say that? Yeah, I, I did. Uh, and, and, you know, my point being, I mean, look, anything can happen with any of these teams. I mean, if Josh Allen cannot play against the Cleveland Browns and they somehow uh, win that game and then, you know, beat the the Bucks who have been struggling and hand five victories over to Deshaun Watson I mean, look, they're right back in the thick of it, right back in the conversation. Now is not the time to completely write them off. Okay, so that brings us to this next question. This comes uh, from Frosty in Petersburg, Virginia. Hey, Mary Kay, would you say the next two games at Miami and at Buffalo will tell all about this team? Well, it will tell a lot. Again, it's two AFC games. It counts for a lot. Uh, They took a significant hit. In the, uh, in the wild card scenario yesterday with the Jets beating the Bills and some of the other things that happened, the Miami Dolphins have won three straight games, their next opponent. Uh, so, you know, teams are jumping ahead. Uh, 
And if it gets to the point where they have to have a wild card spot, you know, they're, they're falling behind in that regard. So these two games are vitally important. Uh, you know, especially I think, uh, you know, the Dolphins game, because, you know, I think if Josh Allen plays, I think we all have considered that to be a loss, right? I mean, most of us just think, They're not going up to Buffalo and beating Josh Allen and the Bills. Now we don't know what the case is going to be there. But if you can, if you can go down to Miami and beat the Dolphins and then beat the Bucks, who are beatable this season, they are beatable, um, then, you know, you just have to understand that any, you know, anything can can still happen. So you have to keep yourself afloat uh, this week. And, you know, again, if Josh Allen doesn't play and you can grab both of those games then and get yourself on a little bit of a roll here after a very dominant and convincing victory over the Bengals. And you saw what the Bengals did yesterday um, in in beating the, um, the Panthers. Uh, Panthers. I, Panthers. All these games are running together. Um, <laughs> but anyways, so, um, you know, it's just uh, it's. They're, they're still in it. I mean, they are still, I'm saying there's a chance, Dan. Well, sure. And they had to have that Cincinnati game. That, that was where it started. And and by the way, I, you know, look, I, my rule still stands. Nobody's allowed to pick the Browns to beat the bills unless Josh Allen is not playing in that game. But just like we saw on Sunday, anything can happen. Yes. You know, I mean, Miles Garrett could show up and just destroy that game. Nick Chubb could run all over the place. Josh Allen could throw, two interceptions that are like, what, what exactly are you doing here, buddy? So certainly anything can happen. It's not impossible. It's just not likely, but yeah, I mean, uh, to me, Miami is, I think it's a good test, not just in the case of, can you go win a game against a team that's good, but not great. And also like, is this defense really fixed? Is this secondary really fixed? Because these two receivers, especially are going to test this team. And in a way, I, I feel like the Browns might be built to kind of keep up with them because they have a lot of speed. But that being said, Tyree Kill is like world class on a record setting pace, world class speed, playing really well. Jalen Waddle is playing really well. This is a really good. We're going to know on Sunday if this defense is really fixed or not. Yeah, I mean, it's an explosive offense. There is no question about that. In fact, in this past game, uh, Tyree Kill caught seven of eight targets for 143 yards and a touchdown. That was in their 35-32 victory over the Bears, their third straight victory. They're number two uh, in passing offense this season. As you mentioned, Jalen Waddell, he's got six touchdowns. They've won three straight games. It's going to be on the road. It's certainly not going to be easy. But what I think happened in Cleveland is I think everyone forgot during that four-game losing streak um, that the Browns have a lot of talent on this football team. And everybody just got uh, the notion in their head that the Browns suck. I mean, seriously, <laughs> people just, you know, started to, th- to think that the Browns were the Browns, right? And people forgot that there's Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney and Denzel Ward practice today and is coming back and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. David Njoka will be back soon. Wyatt Teller is on the way back. Uh, Martin Emerson is emerging. Now they have a linebacker in Sione Takitaki. People forgot that this football team was built to go to the Super Bowl this very year. 
2022 had to be the a year that was circled for them to go to the Super Bowl. So they don't suck. I mean, the Cleveland Browns don't suck. I mean, they can go out and they can beat anybody on a day when they're playing well. And so anything can still happen. And, you know, again, when Deshaun Watson gets back, you know, we'll see how quickly he acclimates to the team. But certainly uh, that can change the, the picture, too. Okay, let's talk a little bit more about the defense. This comes from Dave in Denver. Hey, Mary Kay, two seasons in a row, it seems like the defense underachieves and eventually improves. Last year, they became elite, and now they're looking good again this season. Is this a flaw in Joe Wood's approach? Can you suggest any reasons why they performed poorly at the start of the year? And are they addressing why this is happening and making changes? So a three-parter from uh, from Dave in Denver about the defense and starting slow for a second consecutive year. Well, I think some of it had to do with the fact that, first of all, uh, Denzel Ward missed most of training camp with a hamstring injury. I mean, you know, I think sometimes we downplay, uh, you know, when a guy misses most or all of training camp. I think it's it can be very difficult to, you know, to come in and be yourself right away uh, when you miss most of camp. So that was one thing. Then they lost Anthony Walker Jr., their middle linebacker, who was playing really well in the first couple of games, like really well. Um, you know, that shook things up, I think. That rocked their world to a certain degree. And then, um, you know, then you had um, other things, like Jadavian Clowney missed three or four games. Now Denzel Ward has missed three games with a concussion. Uh, Miles Garrett flipped his car and missed a game and wasn't himself for a few weeks. I just think they've had so many issues on defense. Um, you know, Martin Emerson, Fortunately for them, Martin Emerson has really come in and overachieved, and that's going to serve them well down the road that he got all this playing time. He's the number 17th ranked cornerback in the NFL right now, according to Pro Football Focus. That's pretty darn good. Highest ranked cornerback on the Cleveland Browns. And he's got, you know, a good body of work now where you can't just say, oh, well, that was just a half a, half a game. Oh, no, he's got, you know, three starts and a lot of snaps, and uh, he is showing out. But I think defensively, there just was a complete lack of continuity of who was in and out of the lineup. And then some of the guys that they expected to emerge and be really good right from the jump just weren't that. I mean, they just were not able to do that. It didn't mean they weren't going to, the lights weren't going to come on by midseason. But when you thought that Jordan Elliott, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, Grant Delpit, and all of these players, Jacob Phillips, were going to take their game up to the next level this season, it hadn't happened in the first half. And I think we overestimated what they were going to be in part because these were basically first-time starters at those positions. I mean, they had played some, but they weren't, you know, manning that position and expected to excel. And it took them a while to get up to speed and to come up the learning curve in some cases. And I still think the upside potential is very high and and it's there. And I think as they go along in these last nine games, you're going to start to see some of these guys pop. And, you know, I think it was disappointing because that continuity was supposed to be there. That that was mm-hmm. the side of the ball. Yeah, you know, I mean, look, last year we were going in thinking, oh, they're running it back on offense and the continuity is there and they're going to be awesome on offense. And then, of course, that didn't happen uh, for various reasons. And this year, 
it was kind of the opposite. It was, oh, the continuity's on the defensive side. They finished the season about as strong as you could finish it. They've all played together. They know the system. This is Joe Wood's third year here. And it that just didn't happen either. And, I, you know, I do wonder if, like, maybe, maybe they didn't do quite enough in training camp. You know, obviously, if a guy's hurt, a guy's hurt. But, you know, just maybe they didn't value that enough in training camp and those reps in training camp and getting that work in in training camp that, that they needed. And, you know, they kind of had to play catch up. And it looked – the other problem is it when it looked bad, it looked bad. Mm-hmm. You know, th- there were games – I mean, I would argue in the Chets game, they didn't play poorly until, like, the final – Not maybe they didn't play great, but they didn't play poorly until those final two minutes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's one of those situations where not to make people angry at me again, if Kareem Hunt stays in bounds or Nick Chubb slides down, we're not even talking about those final two minutes. But it, it is still on the defense. They have to step up and make those plays and, and not give up 15, 14 points or whatever it was in the final two minutes. But I, I think the problem was when it was bad, it was really bad. Mm-hmm. And that made things look a little worse than it was. And, and they've kind of cleaned that up a little bit. Yeah, they have cleaned that up a little bit. Um, they've communicated better. But I think what happened in the beginning of the season is Joe Woods assumed, like we all did, that everybody was going to be ready to run and they needed to walk before they could run. And therefore, he had to dial things back. He couldn't be as aggressive. He couldn't put everything on the plate of everyone that he thought he could. There were some guys that got off to a little bit of a slower start than people thought they would. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, we know the names. I've mentioned them here. We heard them all throughout the offseason and the preseason. And so, you know, that was a little bit of a jolt for everyone. But I think, you know, they've come around. You know, they have come around. You know, I think, you know, I do believe that, uh, you know, as new starters, you know, they had to find their way. They had to, you know, figure out where to be in, you know, their run fits and all those kinds of things. So, uh, you know, I, I think they're getting it. I think the lights are coming on. And I, you know, I think the future looks bright down the stretch here defensively. I really do. Well, and it, it starts with Miles Garrett, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I mean, you've mentioned this a few times. Atlanta, of course, just lights this team up on the ground. And maybe that that's different if Miles and Jadavian are playing in that game. Right. Uh, but that was the week that Miles missed after he, he flipped his car. Mm-hmm. And he just wasn't himself. And I feel like these last two games against Lamar Jackson and then against Joe Burrow, where the Bengals just. I don't know what the Bengals were thinking, but Miles probably loves playing the Bengals because he doesn't get double teamed and chipped and hit 50 times every single play. <laughs> he was going one-on-one a lot of that game. Um, Miles looking like Miles just changes this defense. It's the same as, you know, Micah Parsons might end up winning defensive player of the year. If he wasn't with Dallas, that defense wouldn't look like they've looked. You know, and, and Miles right now looks like he's setting up to at least make a push for that award, and it just changes the entire outlook of this defense. It really does. I mean, you know, when you take a a dominant defensive player like that out of the lineup or you take half of him away, uh, you know, he was probably whatever, 50, 60, 70 percent of himself in the first couple games back from flipping his car. It makes a huge difference. I mean, think about, you know, the Rams without Aaron Donald, like you said, uh, Micah Parsons not being in that lineup the Steelers without TJ Watt. It makes an enormous, enormous difference. And, uh, and Miles, I, I truly believe this. I think that Miles, uh, he was so hell bent on 
strapping this team on his back and helping it get to the Super Bowl this year, that I feel like that accident, I feel like he let the team down. Like he felt like he let the team down and that he is doing everything he possibly can to make up for it. And that's why we hear him say things like, no, I don't care if I'm hurt, you know, if they have to carry me out onto the field on a stretcher and dump me off and tell me to go play for 60 minutes, I'm going to do it, you know, because I think he feels like he owes this football team from letting it down with, you know, while he was out, you know, doing something that he should not have, have been doing. And, um, and he's on a mission. I think he's on a mission. And therefore, you know, I, that's one of the reasons why I just don't think it's over yet. I don't think it's too late. All right, let's go back to Sunday's game real quick before uh, before we take our break. And this comes from the Pope in Fremont, California. Hey, Mary Kay, dare I say Sunday is a must game? I know you and Dan hate debating that, but seriously, isn't it to, isn't it a must win to keep the team's momentum? I think they need two more wins before Deshaun comes back and Tampa is the other best chance to win. Of course, he sent this before this Josh Allen news came out, which again, we'll, we'll wait to sort of see what that is, but like we said, that could change the tenor of that game, certainly. But Mary Kay, here's your favorite phrase, must win. Is it as, I'll put it this way, is it as close to a must win as you're willing to go? It's pretty darn close. But let's think of this. Let's say that they lose in Miami and then Josh Allen does not play and they have a chance to beat the Bills and the Bucks, and they go out and do that. And they still end up with, a five and four, they still end up with a five and six record to hand over to Deshaun. Is, does that make it a must win game in Miami? This is why I'm a purist <laughs> on the must win thing, because we've been saying this for a long time. I mean, I, I wasn't ready to say it about the Monday night game against the Bengals, even though it seemed like a must win game. Every game from here on out for the Cleveland Browns is almost a must win game. Because look at the landscape in the AFC right now. Look at where they are. They are not one of the top teams uh, if the playoffs started tomorrow. They've got some catching up to do. And so every game for them is going to be an almost must-win game. But it's not, in my mind, a must-win game, as we all know by now. Let's all repeat. Until somebody (laughs) knocks on the door and says, you don't have a chance to make the playoffs. You have been eliminated from any shred of hope of making the playoffs until that happens i'm not going there because like i said if they go and lose in miami and win the next two they're still back they're right back in it yeah look it doesn't matter who you beat it just matters that you win the games you know at the end of the year they count them up there's no college football playoff committee nobody's saying well you beat this team but you lost to this team they just count up the wins and the top seven teams in each conference get in and it you know, it's always kind of funny. We, you know, we'll ask Kevin all the time, like, well, did you watch the games on Sunday or are you paying it to, and he's, you know, every coach is kind of like this. It's just head down. We're focused on this week and this week only. And I mean, really that's kind of how it is because your job is to go win a game on Sunday. And that's the only thing you have control over. And if you go win the game, you got a chance. And if you lose the game, it hurts you. So, I mean, this game, this sport really is that simple, right? You just go play mm-hmm. the game in front of you and all you can do is is win the game. You you can't control anything else, and that and that's just sort of where the Browns are right now. But absolutely, get get to five. It was about getting to five or six wins. We said that at the beginning of the year, 
And maybe it's not going to be the five or six that we thought it would be. But mm-hmm. if they can get there, then they did their part. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I think the four-game uh, losing streak has sort of governed or, or shaded how everybody feels about this football team. But when you think about it, uh, four out of their five losses came by a total of nine points. It's not like they were getting blown out. Uh, they were staying in there, but making mistakes. They were just making uh, those last minute mistakes and not being able to close out a football game. So they were close. I mean, it wasn't like they were going out there and losing 40 to 10. Uh, they were losing on dumb things at the last minute. And so, you know, if they can just stop doing that and coming off of a bye, you know, usually you uh, work out some of those kinks and you figure things out. And I think this team is reminding itself that, hey, you know, we were built to go to the playoffs and we were built to go to the Super Bowl this year. So let's start acting like it. Okay, let's take a break here on the Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. When we come back, it's Sean Watson question and somebody wondering what we were doing during the bye week. So we'll get to all of that on the other side. Welcome back to the Orange Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast. Let's get to a Deshaun Watson question because he is getting closer and closer to returning. Uh, he will be able to return to the practice field on next it's next Monday. He'll be eligible to start practicing again, but the first practice would be the Wednesday uh, after that. And then, of course, uh, he's we're getting closer and closer to his return in Houston in week 13. So Joel in Sacramento. Hey, Mary Kay, what will be a bigger challenge for Deshaun Watson when he gets on the field? The mental game, dealing with booing crowds, or having to play in cold weather? That's a great question. And I think we've wondered about all of these things, haven't we? Um, you know, I think from a cold weather standpoint, I think he's going to be able to handle that. I think he's mentally gearing up for that aspect of it. I think that, uh, I think the mental, emotional aspect of the things that he's going to hear during games, the boos that he's going to hear, the signs that he might see, uh, the emotion of returning to Houston for his first game. Fortunately for him, they're one, six, and whatever they are, whatever Houston is now. Um, one, six, and one or something like that. It's, it's not good. Whatever it is, it's not Yeah, good. whatever it is, they're bad. So, I mean, if you want a warm-up game, if you want a little tune-up, you know, you want to go play the Houston Texans. But yeah, one, one, six, and one. One, six, and one. So uh, you definitely, you know, you want that for your first game back because you basically need a preseason game, and that's what that's going to be. So, um, you know, from that standpoint, I think he'll win that game. But, you know, I do think that, it will be difficult for him to experience some of the things that he's going to have to deal with. I really do. I think, I mean, he's human and he's young. And I think that some of that stuff will get to him. And, uh, you know, it's just going to be a matter of the team supporting him through that and his, um, you know, his counselors or whatever the case may be, uh, helping him to get through that. Because I think that he's going to be hit with a wave of, you know, anti Deshaun sentiment. And I think it might be more than he even anticipates. Yeah. And he's got two road games in a row too. He's got to go to Houston in that first one. And that's going to be a pretty hostile environment. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that they aren't going to welcome him back with open arms. Uh, So that's going to be a tough, 
again, the opponent is not tough. The environment, though, is, is going to be tough. And then he's got to go to Cincinnati, which, again, look, Bengals fans don't have this reputation of being just, you know, absolute, an absolutely brutal place to play. But, you know, they're, they're going to let him hear it. That's for sure. And we all remember that Jacksonville game and, and what that was like. And that was just a preseason game. And there weren't that many people there. And that was a tough, tough environment. And of course, we all saw the stuff on social media afterwards that that maybe we didn't hear in person. It's it's going to be a challenge, that's for sure, uh, for Deshaun. Yeah, I mean, I think there will be signs. I think there will be protests. And as you mentioned, I mean, in Houston alone, I mean, who knows what to expect there? That is the scene of uh, where all of these accusations took place, uh, in addition to the fact that that was where he played the first four seasons of of his career and sat out the fifth season. Um, So there's going to be a lot on his plate there, a lot going on. And, um, you know, hopefully for everyone involved, uh, the team gets Deshaun and his teammates prepared for that sort of backlash because everybody's going to have to block out the noise and get super, super focused and just and really concentrate on the work and try to get through it. I still think of all those things uh, that, that Joel listed, yeah, I think they all are, are going to be difficult, um, including the playing in cold weather. That, that'll be an interesting test. But I I just think it's really simple. It's getting up to game speed. It's the guy hasn't played in two years almost. And I think that's, I think it's tough. You can't replicate that. You just can't. And even if, you know, I don't know how many reps he's going to get in practice because they still have to get Jacoby ready to play games. So I, I don't know how much work he's going to get in practice. I think it's going to be a challenge getting up to game speed. And it might take, I don't know, maybe it only takes him a half. Maybe it takes him a game. Maybe it takes him two weeks. But I, I think that's probably the biggest challenge he faces. Yeah, you know, I wonder about that. I was thinking about this um, the other day. I was thinking about like a player like a Geno Smith, you know, like, yeah. He didn't really play that much over the last couple of years. You know what I mean? Like I'd have to go back and look and see how many games he started, or maybe you can do that while we're on here. Um, but, you know, it didn't take him very long to get back up to games. That's speed. true. You know what I mean? So I think these guys are, are professionals. And when you throw them out there, uh, you know, their muscle memory takes over, their instincts take over, and they start playing the game uh, that they have excelled at since they were, in some cases, eight years old. So I think he probably will be okay from that standpoint. I think I think more so than anything, it will be him learning the, the whole Browns way of life, them learning how to call the game for him correctly. Sometimes that takes a little while. Because you don't know until the lights are on and the fur is flying, how are Deshaun Watson and Amari Cooper going to handle the long ball? Uh, How are Amari Cooper and and David Bell going to connect on the intermediate routes? How is, you know, Deshaun going to use David Njoku over the middle? Who is he going to like in the red zone? What kind of plays is he going to want to run uh, you know, into the end zone. So I think that is going to be an issue is just figuring out what his strengths are and how to play to those strengths and, um, you know, just getting to know each other a little bit. So Geno Smith started three games last year 
I, I do, and there was a game where Russell got hurt too, and he came in, so he played in four and started three. Okay, uh, did not start a game though. That that was his first start since 2017. Oh, okay. So there you so, go. No starts in 2020. No starts in 2018. So it 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 had been a little while for uh for our buddy Geno Smith before he started. And you know, look, there is a part of it that's like it's football. Deshaun Watson's been playing football his whole life. At, at some mm-hmm. point, it is just kind of like you know, yeah, maybe it's a little faster, maybe it's a little tougher, but throwing a football is still throwing a football, and a go route is still a go route. You, you know, they're they're not reinventing the wheel here. Exactly. 100%. So I think he will be okay from that standpoint, but it's not like he's stepping into his Houston Texans digs and he's got, you know, the surroundings that he had there and they knew what he did well and they knew when, you know, when to call a designed run for him and what happens for him on third down, what he likes or, you know what I mean? It's like, you have to get to know, uh, a player, a play caller and a quarterback, they have to get to know each other. And that might take a little bit of time. Kevin Stefanski and Deshaun Watson are going to have to figure each other out a little bit. And to me, uh, that that might be the biggest issue. And that, and that's why even if, for whatever reason, the Browns are essentially out of it when they go to Houston, it's still a really important month. Because yeah. that's those games are going to matter a lot, whether they actually matter in, in the picture of this season Though I've sort of called it, there's a chance where that's almost like an extended preseason because it's just, mm-hmm. you're going to get live opportunities between Kevin and Deshaun Watson here. So even if the Browns, you know, for whatever reason, go zero and three or something in these next the rest of the month, those games are still going to matter a lot for for the long term outlook of this team. Another Deshaun question, Joe in London, Ohio. Hey, Mary Kay, how would you rank the Browns' off-season quarterback acquisitions, Brissett and Watson, compared with others around the league? Many teams have to be quite disappointed. And with Jacoby playing well and Deshaun yet to come, it would seem the Browns are near or at the top of the list. Now, of course, this is all complicated by Deshaun Watson's off-the-field and his legal situation. But we're talking today, Frank Reich was fired. Matt Ryan mm-hmm. is not even starting. Right. Um, that, that was a name that I think had the Browns not landed Deshaun Watson Maybe we would have thrown out there as a, as a guy you bring in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think. Marcus Mariota in Atlanta. They're playing well. Maybe not because of him, but but they're playing well. Um, Russell Wilson. Baker, oh, Russell Wilson in Denver. Of course, <laughs> Russell Wilson in Denver. Uh, they're struggling. You know, Baker in Carolina. I know that was more of kind of like a shot in the dark, but some of these are to vary, varying degrees. But right now, the Browns situation, even with, Jacoby being a little more turnover prone than we all expected. The Brown situation isn't really too bad. No, I mean, I, I think that um, as long as Deshaun is everything everybody expects him to be, then I think by far they will have nailed the uh, offseason quarterback sweepstakes. You know, the, the carousel that took place, I think they will come out far, far ahead uh, in terms of how that's working out. Um so, yeah, I mean, and, and I, I have, you know, pretty much every reason to believe that Deshaun is going to be okay once they work out some of those kinks. I think he's good enough uh, that, that it's going to look pretty good when they, when they put it out on paper. Now, what I don't think they have enough of are just like good old-fashioned, you know, receivers, <laughs> right? I mean, like, <laughs> you, you, you want to have 
the the combo you want to have a, a fearsome duo the way that the Miami Dolphins do I mean you want to look out there and see that you have your Tyreek Hill and your Jalen Waddle I think they could use one more you know thousand yard proven receiver and I think they left themselves short there yeah I do too and and we got a question about Donovan Peoples Jones and and he's he's been good this year he's certainly been good but mm-hmm. yeah you'd you'd love to have like one more guy to just pair with Amari Cooper and you know I just keep going back to like what if you would have figured out a way to take George Pickens or I don't I don't know somebody else, like was there somebody you could have signed or you know maybe they need to do that in the second round of the draft maybe they need to I know they don't like to prioritize positions in the draft like that but maybe that's what they need to focus on this year it, it just it feels I'm with you I think everybody on our pod has generally agreed with this. Like this team still feels a receiver short. Yes, absolutely. And fortunately for them, Amari Cooper has been really, really good. I mean, he is, he is so good that it really makes me think that, um, you know, Jerry Jones just made such a colossal mistake in letting Amari Cooper go for nothing. I mean, obviously uh, the Browns benefited tremendously from that, but you know, how do you let that guy go? I mean, how do you just let him go for almost nothing? And now (laughs) for a fifth round pick, and now they're talking about, uh, you know, signing Odell Beckham Jr. Who, you know, might not even be really physically ready to go yet. And you had Amari Cooper right in your midst and you're just like, nah, mm -mm. he missed a couple games last year forget it. Um, so I think, you know, the Browns really hit the jackpot with Amari Cooper. So good for them for that. But, and, and you're right, Donovan Peoples-Jones has really been good and David Njoku has had a really nice season. So they have pass catchers, uh, but I still think one more 1,000 yard type-ish uh, proven veteran receiver was what they needed to hand over uh, to Deshaun Watson this season and um, and we'll just have to see how that goes. Yeah, I mean, when you look at, I mean, the Browns are going to play somebody this week. You look at what Tyreek Hill went for. You look at what A.J. Brown went for. You look at what all these elite receivers went for. And I think Amari sometimes gets forgotten in that discussion. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, maybe he's maybe he's not like a top three receiver in the league, but he's really good. <laughs> he's, he's a bona fide number one receiver. Mm-hmm. And when you look at what these teams were getting when they were trading those players I just I mean they could have at least waited you know so for Andrew Barry to, to jump on that and, and get Amari Cooper for what he got was just you know that that that's going to go down as one of his best moves as absolutely no doubt. A- yes absolutely 100% and it was a situation where uh, they were to the point because he was going to be making 20 million dollars this year the Cowboys were thinking about cutting him so they were able to get him the Browns were at a bargain basement price that's what that was all about this wasn't like oh he's only worth a fifth round pick no they were going to cut him this was a financial decision they did not want to pay him that kind of money when Jerry Jones felt that uh, he shouldn't have missed a couple of games last year. Uh, and of course, you know, we know the back story from that. Uh, Amari wasn't vaccinated and he missed two games. Um, and, and that just didn't sit well with, with Jerry Jones. And he did not choose to pay him the $20 million. I have to wonder now if he doesn't regret that. But fortunately for Jacoby, fortunately for Deshaun, he's here. And, uh, and the other guys are, you know, a good support system 
with David being more than that. David's more than support and Donovan's more than just support. But I mean, when you look at some of the other guys, I mean, you haven't gotten very much yet out of David Bell, Michael Woods, Anthony Schwartz. That's the rest of your receiving core. I mean, you need uh, more than whatever, 10, 11 catches combined from those guys. I don't have the stats in front of me right now. I could probably look it up pretty quickly, but I think those guys last time I checked had combined for maybe, maybe 10 receptions. And, um, you know, and that's, that's just not really enough. I mean, you need, you need something more. And I would have tried for something more before the deadline. All right. Paxton Stiles from Cheverly or Cheverly, Maryland, uh, wants to know, Hey, Mary Kay, y'all work long hours. What did you do to enjoy the bye week? I did not have nearly as exciting a bye week as you did. I stayed home. I used my leaf blower. I did get a bike ride in uh, on Sunday. That was good, uh, but just kind of chilled out a little bit. But you had a much more interesting bye week than I had. Well, I did. Um, I actually went to Quebec City to visit my daughter, who is uh, in a Cirque du Soleil type of school in Quebec City, Canada. She's in her third season. She's going to be looking for work in June. So if anybody knows of any <laughs> circus performing jobs open out there for an acrobat, aerialist, Arcarian Games, hair hanger, tramp wall artist, uh, let me know. We are uh, looking for gainful employment for Celeste. Um, but anyway, so my husband and I went up to Quebec City to visit Celeste. Usually at this time of the year, it's about 30 degrees. We were there once um, a couple of years ago when it was like probably 10 below and 12 or 13 inches of snow the day after we got there. Uh, so this time we actually got to walk around. We got to shop. We got to dine. We went to a, a show. Uh, and most of all, we got to spend time with our daughter, who we have missed terribly. And it was fantastic to see her. And I can't wait to go back. There you go. See, much more exciting, uh, much more exciting bye week than than I had. Uh, anyway, that's uh, there we go. The, the life of uh, of a beat reporter on the bye week, uh, trying to squeeze everything we can into those four days that we put off during season uh, because of course it can be all all consuming especially when you cover the Cleveland Browns so uh, there we go Paxton that's what we did uh, we were trying to convince Ashley to go to Vegas but she yes. did not she did not go to Vegas and I'm I'm disappointed I think it's a real I think it was a real missed opportunity for her but you know I'm sure she'll hear this and rue her decision to not go well, I even offered to buy her a ticket to Mystere or O so she could actually go to one of these Cirque shows that I'm talking about. And um, so she did not take me up on it, but maybe after the season, she can grab a couple of friends and experience Vegas for the first time. I think she needs to. Yeah, we'll get her there. She's going to Vegas <laughs> and it can't be a work trip. It's got to be like, just just go to Vegas. Just have right. What when are we going to Vegas, by the way? When when are we going to play the Raiders Dan? That's, is that you coming? know what? We're gonna this is great podcasting. We're gonna look this up right now. Future and we need that schedules. Trip. Uh, have you been to Vegas, Dan? Uh, it's been a it's been a while. Okay. I, I need to get back. That's let's see. Uh, all right. Twenty let's see, what year is it? Twenty twenty two? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh let's see. Away games, no. Oh, well, they do have an AFC West away game next year. Okay. So that could be Vegas, depending on where the Browns place and the Raiders place. But I think the Raiders mm. are in last right now. 
Yes, I think so. 2024, they do have a, an away game against the Las Vegas Raiders. So we're still a little ways away. 2024. Potentially okay. next year. But um, yeah, Las Vegas is in fourth place. We need them. Yeah, it all depends on where both teams finish. But yeah, definitely okay. 2024. Okay, well, let's hope for next year. That would be fun. Yeah, fingers crossed. Okay. <laughs> That'll do it for this Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, all those questions came from our Football Insider subscribers. Subscribers, Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. You can become one of our text subscribers. Get that newsletter delivered to your inbox every day and get access to exclusive stories on Cleveland.com slash Browns. And just make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or wherever you listen so these can hit your phone uh, as soon as we hit publish on it. Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great. <laughs>